Good morning, fans of the Flyer. It's Thursday, December 31st, also known as New Year's Eve, and I know that the Flyers took a rather disgusting loss last evening, Wednesday evening, to LaSalle to drop to 0-1 in A-10 play, but rest assured, Flyer fans, we must turn the page because there is another team coming into the arena on Saturday afternoon. They go by George Mason, the Patriots from Fairfax, and as such... I asked my buddies from the By George Podcast Network to join the show tonight. Uh, we're going to have a 40-minute conversation that's going to be um, the, the entirety of the show since we're on a short week. Uh, that is my gift to you as my cell phone rings and I'm recording this. That's okay. We're doing it live. That's what we're doing today. Um, but like I said, short week, turning the page. We all know how bad the loss was to LaSalle. Uh, our hope is that the Flyers can get it turned around on Saturday. So the bulk of the conversation tonight will be around the George Mason program, the frustrations that they've had over the last couple of years, and how they can possibly get it turned around heading into the future. Um, I love talking to these guys every year. They're some of my better friends in uh, in the A-10 conference, and uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation coming up, starting right now. Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer, it's This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back into Talking Out Loud. Uh, this is your host, Sully, bringing you another preview segment heading into the game on Saturday that will be played at UD Arena between Dayton and George Mason. This is always one of my favorite matchups for the Flyers, not for the basketball on the court, but the podcasting done in the studio. And the reason I say that is because George Mason has pound for pound probably the best uh, podcast radio network or the, the best production quality of anybody in the conference. And it's because of the two guys that I have on right now, Brian and Chris, who run uh, the By George Net or By George account at By George on the Giant Killer Network for uh, George Mason basketball. And they were kind enough to join me today to um, be a little bit more honest about the program, their uh, shortcomings, their struggles, and how they feel about the coach and the trajectory of the program moving forward. So, uh, guys, you know that I really love getting together with you once a year, and then we get to go our separate ways. It just happened to be the second game of the A-10 season, so welcome on. Uh, Brian, I know that you kind of spent this whole week looking forward to the Redskins on Sunday, so I think you're you're overlooking this game we have on Saturday. Uh, kind of. I mean, I'm you know <laughs> a big big Washington fan. I actually live in the district. Uh, would love to bring the A-10 tournament back to the district. That made it super easy. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to jinx this. I don't want to jinx the skins right now. But I do want to say to you, Sully, you know, you keep calling yourself the number one podcaster in the A-10 world. And I got, you know, I'm starting to take offense because, you know, Mason's, you know, we put out a good product, but Mason on the court is so trash that <laughs> that we can't compete with any numbers. You know, in fact, like as the years go on with Paulson, we're starting to dwindle. And that's why we're excited to come on this show, you know, and get away from our base a little bit and just kind of vent, vent to you about, you know, where, where, we, where we feel and where we felt for about four years in the Dave Paulson era. That's exactly right. And that's why we have you guys on. And like I said, I really enjoy these conversations because there's no animosity between our programs. Yeah. Chris, I mean, like, have you even ever thought about Dayton as like a tough game or like getting up? It's just kind of like another game on the schedule, right? Yeah, it's I mean, like you sort of alluded to, it's sort of like a one night stand. Like we go at it for one night and then we go our separate ways. So, um, you know, we don't talk to you again for like another year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoy it. I always see it as sort of our... Um, you know, big game of the year. Uh, it was really cool when Obi was around. Uh, having him come to Eagle Bank Arena was 
you know, clearly like an amazing night um, just to kind of showcase, you know, an NBA talent at our arena, which you don't see ever. Um, you guys gave us a hell of a game. And that was one of the games we like really sweated out late in the season last yeah, year. Yeah, it, it was it was actually surprisingly close. And then was it the year before that we randomly beat you or, or was or maybe the year before that? I think when Obi was a freshman, uh, but we, it, it's kind of gone back and forth. It, it hasn't been so lopsided, right? No, I don't believe it has been lopsided. Um, so you guys won in 2019. And then I believe there was like another time that George Mason's. Yes, yeah, there was two years in a row. So you guys beat us in 18 and 19. Okay. And then, yeah, right. so that's, you know, that's that. fine. And, yeah, last, and I, yeah. last year was fun because that was one game that I actually just went in the in the stands and watched as a fan. I took my son and I was screaming at Obi. Pretty much, I, I mean, I take credit for like Obi not playing great in the first half because I was just like unloading <laughs> on him old school. Like I was like 19 years old in the fan section and I was like up in the you know nosebleed just screaming. Everyone looking around me because, you know, just to be honest, Mason fans are old. Like they're all old. Everyone sitting around <laughs> you is old. They yell at you if you stand up. They get mad if you curse. And I was just cursing and screaming. <laughs> Everyone's like, who's this fucking weirdo? Um, that, that was actually a fun game. Um, but of course Mason like botched inbounds plays down the stretch for easy buckets and couldn't compete late. Okay. So I did look up the, the series history and, and Brian gave me enough time to, to go into the archives here. So the series is rather lopsided, just not in the last three years. So, uh, Dayton won seven of the first eight meetings. Uh, versus George Mason, and that dates sure. all the way back to 2007. And then you guys have won two of the last three. So um, 11 total games today. Uh, Saturdays will be number 12, and um, and Dayton leads the series eight to three. So not lopsided, but you know you guys have got some wins in the last couple of years, and that's what matters because those games before a 10 play. Um, so like 2014, 15, 16, 17, like onwards there. So let's say before you guys joined the conference, mm-hmm. it was three, three and one. So now it's five and two. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not right. bad. It's respectable. For, for a team that was, you know, pretty much ranked second last year nationally. And for us yeah. to be what our, our Ken Palm was like 256 or something. We're just looking for a fun game at this point, Sally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you guys will obviously get the one thing that George Mason and Dayton definitely do have in common is that the people that sit in the lower bowl at UD Arena are all old and they all uh, share the same qualities that you just talked about, like yelling at people if they start swearing or if they're yelling too loud or if you're standing up too much. Um, I actually, before we before I ask you to, to unload on the program, a fun story. I went to about three or four seasons ago. I got tickets from a UD alum to sit center court. Uh, for UDVCU. It was one of those games at the end of the season that decided the conference, you know? Mm-hmm. So I sat like six rows off the court, and it was me and, and my best bud, Jeff, and we're sitting down there, and I think it was like two or three minutes into the game. We stood up, and I was like, that's a load of crap, bro. Or I think I might have sworn. And the guy behind me like stood up, and he goes, son, we don't say those things down here. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are we talking about, man? Uh, but you guys have plenty of things to say. That's why you're on the show right now. Um, fellas, you know, I wanted to have you on the show basically to just give Dayton fans kind of like an honest look of what fans are feeling at George Mason right now. And, you know, the floor is is going to be yours here in a second. To paint the picture for Flyer fans, George Mason's been in the league now. This is season number eight. They've never finished higher than fifth in the league. Um, they've only gone over 500 once in the league, I believe. No, sorry. They have yet to go. But no, one season was 11 and seven. So I've gone over 500 once in the league, 11 and seven. That was the year they finished fifth. The other years, they've basically been in the basement. And, and it was my hope that you know George Mason would figure out how to crawl out of this under the Dave Paulson era. But it's pretty clear at this point, fellas, that it's not going to happen. No, I mean, even just the way you preface the entire segment here, I mean, it's clearly been doom and gloom. Um, We are actually coming off of a loss to Norfolk State. You probably ask yourself, well, who or what is Norfolk State? And and yes, it's like a small college in Virginia. 
Um, and yeah, we, we lost to them late after being up. It's from the of, MIAC. Right. Yeah. From the yeah. And so it, it's just kind of become a calling card of Dave Paulson, right? It, it's been, you know, give us a little bit of hope. We get like a few easy wins early on in a season. We ultimately break down here and there losing to a bad team. Uh, we've lost to, you know, Colgate and Brown in years past. So, I mean, so this is kind of like where we're at. Uh, we're we're six games into the season or so, and you know, just thing is things are at a complete meltdown for for the base right now because we just came off of such a terrible loss. Uh, if you've been to our Twitter um, uh, account, you can see sort of fans are just unloading on Dave Paulson, and justifiably so. I mean, it's six seasons in, and we have nothing to show for it. I mean, a fifth place. Uh, finish in a, in a down year. I mean, that's just nothing to gloat about. And so I think a lot of fans are asking, all right, well, if, if Dave Paulson isn't anything, you know, outside of just being mediocre, then, then what are we doing? Um, And and so we've been kind of asking ourselves that for, you know, at least two to three years now, like it just feels like we're aimlessly drifting through the A-10 really with no identity, um, and no real wins uh, to sort of, you know, and it's problem. Be- it's problem because like you know we're fed BS every single year. When he got in, you know, he wasn't able to retain like basically any of the recent or new recruits from Paul Hewitt. So we watched like four guys go off to like play at better programs. Power and five, so, he, yeah. so he wasn't yeah. able to like retain any of those guys. And then at the same time, he, you know, he tells us like, give me time. I want to grow like with my type of player, which we still don't even I, like we're not able to identify what type of recruit he really pulls into the program. As we've seen, <laughs> as we've seen <laughs> what players like leave year after year for like be, whether they're depressed or they go to a better program or just insert and like one guy went back to Puerto Rico or wherever he was from. And it's like, there's so many different scenarios where guys are just like leaving our program and still we're fed more BS. He, he talks about like, you know, he set us up this one time he called at a two year season, give them a year, a full year to, to improve themselves. And we're going to, you know, it was Jared Reuter, you know, he was coming in, a UVA yeah. recruit. And he's like, wait till, you know, he's in our lineup and our guys are veterans and they just need time. So he dubbed it himself, the two year season and that second year bombed. And yeah. then not, not to mention, he goes on, he calls this, this year, this season, his most veteran squad. And it's terrible. So <laughs> you, you look at like, and, and this is not against the players. We actually, we actually like some of our players and our recruits and we have good relationships with them. Yeah. But- let me, let me stop right there. And I don't mean to interrupt, but like, yeah. we don't have to do that shit on this show. Like okay. anytime I talk about stuff, it's about the playing on the floor. It's, it's not yeah. a judge of their character. When I say a guy sucks, I'm talking about on the floor, basketball doing. All right. So that's but all, we, you know. but we find it to be still more of a coaching issue. The guys on the floor can play. We just feel like they're constantly not put in winning situations. Jordan Miller, great offensive rebound, is never in position to grab offensive rebounds because he's constantly roaming the three-point line, but yet we're not a good three-point team. So we just don't really like ever put ourselves put our guys in, in the right position. Your offense is this kind of ball screen movement offense that doesn't ever really like highlight a player who is excelling that game. Um, you know, our defense, he's gone from full court to not half court. We can't guard the three. It's just pure trash. And, and that's what that's why I was preferencing by saying, like, you know, we don't put on the players because we actually think that we have some talent. You know, guys have won most improved in the A-10, I think, three of the last four years. You have a, a freshman right now who just won A-10 player of the week. We constantly have those type of accolades, but they fall off every single time they get to their senior yeah. season. I, th- yep. I think the, the um, you know, from our former coach, who was Paul Hewitt, he was known for being this stellar recruiter. We were getting three, four star, star guys, but he couldn't coach the X's and O's. So we thought, well, here's Dave Paulson. He's going to be the X's and O's guy and make up for his recruiting shortcomings. And But it, it just feels like after six years, we, we got a new facility. We have, you know, the campus is nicer. We, we've added buildings. There's a lot to sell about the program. And yet he's still getting quality players that would be coming, you know, for the CAA sort of level guys. And it's like, at a certain point, you can only, you know, do so much with these 
you know, diamonds in the rough. Like it, it always has to be an Otis or Justin Kyer or some kid that was under recruited who ends up becoming this great stud find. And then, you know, we, we squander it because there's not enough talent around them. And so like, you can't make it your career to constantly do more with less. You at, at a certain point, you have to do more with more. Like you have to start recruiting better talent and doing more with it. And not um, to mention, Justin Kyer left us and went to Georgia and Otis, the tracks fell off his senior year. Like there's warning signs of even Gonar Mar, probably Paulson's best recruit, left our program last year as he fell off a cliff. You know, he yeah, was he got the yips. So it's like it's it's is he can he have can he can he improve the talent that he pulls in or are we just simply watching them get worse and regress throughout their collegiate career and that's what's really concerning and, and and my fear is we're just like overplaying freshmen overplaying sophomores and by the time they get to their senior year ankle injuries are keeping them out for multiple weeks or you know insert foot injury that we've seen to grayer kyer otis gonar and the list goes on and then we blame the shortcomings on the injuries and it's just like a big catch 22 but yeah sure. and, and i think it's that and then there's also a uh, certain lack of um, accountability that we you know we're, we're going to all these pressers and you hope to get some sort of accountability from the head coach. I mean, he's sort of the high man on the totem pole. You, you, you know, hope that the buck stops there. And it kind of always is sort of like a, well, we didn't play too well. And, you know, we thought practice was really strong and this kind of caught us by surprise. And it's like, just say you suck. Right. <laughs> yeah, say, say it's something. a lot easier. I yeah. mean, you guys know me. I'm I'm like anti being fed BS, and when I am being fed BS, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna call this out because uh, you know one of my things is just like I don't really understand why there is such a need in college athletics to like put up these smoke screens and say all this like really good PR stuff. Like I just I don't really get that. Um, like I understand why coaches don't want to like throw their players under the bus, but it's not even so much that just like you said, there's no real uh, downside for a coach to come out and say like, Hey, you know, we just played bad. We stink. And um, you know, I hate to go Pittsburgh Yinzer on you, but Mike Tomlin literally did that like a couple of weeks ago, the, the Steelers won, they played the Ravens and they were like, what do you think the issue was? And he was like us sucking, you know? And I mean, like, that's why he's so endearing to a, like a city like my hometown is that he really just does tell it like it is. And I always have a thirst for coaches to tell it like it is, but I'll play devil's advocate for a little for a second here, guys. Um, you know, we, we've talked about, um, you know, the player development, and that's certainly one piece of it. You talked about the recruiting. That's certainly one piece of it. And those are the most glaring issues that, that we can talk about, you know, year in, year out. I mean, that's, you know, that those things are well spoken for at George mm -hmm. Mason. But for Dayton fans. I try to, to, to kind of paint the whole picture and, um, you know, looking holistically at the situation, George Mason is a commuter school in what, uh, suburbia, uh, suburbia in DC. Um, you're always going to be competing against pro sports because it's a pro sports town. A DMV is a pro sports area. And I start to look at this situation. And the reason I wrote the things that I did for my A10 preview about how dire the situation is, is I... <clears throat> It is Dave Paulson's fault to me, okay? Like number one. But if you if I'm looking at this entire situation, I'm saying, all right, there might be other factors at play here, like, and I want to hear you you guys in your perspective on this. Are there other things besides just Dave Paulson that work against Mason that you will need the perfect fit to overcome? And I mean location and who you're competing against and all those little things, you know, facilities. Um, I'm just curious from your perspective, if, if there's other factors at play here beyond just the coach and his player development or recruiting. See, now I, I would tend to agree. I mean, sort of that um... – that basic outline is kind of one that's been used against us for a while. Uh, you know, we're a suburban school and we're competing with upper echelon basketball talent locally. Yes, we are competing a lot with, um, you know, national pro sports and all that. But, you know, it doesn't the thing have to is, be an excuse. It's just no, 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 but, but, but yeah. Fair, Fairfax County is the, you know, is the county in Virginia. I mean, there's over a million residents. I mean, it is massive. Um, and it yeah. is, you know, you can get on a bus and get to D.C. Um, via the metro in 25 minutes. I mean, it, it is really super close to, to DC. It's, it's a very, uh, you know, up and coming, you know, uh, 
county. There's a ton of, you know, positive things going in that direction. So I don't think it's sort of like the the location so much. And the fact that it's perceived as a commuter school, we now have over 10,000 students residing on campus. Um, so it's sort of shed that uh, commuter school. Um, I mean, it, it may continue to have that uh, sort of perception. I mean, B- but VCU but is a, com- a commuter school, essentially. Yeah. You know, but like yeah, but, I mean, but, but, and then also finally, like who we're losing out to. It's like, yeah, before we were losing out to local schools, but we're not even competing with local schools for recruits anymore. I mean, we are really competing with you know the lower level, uh, you know, CAA level type of players and and we're still kind of losing out to them so yeah there was a time when we were losing out to maybe uh you know a georgetown or maryland for like a recruit that may have been like a long shot to begin with but nowadays we're like losing to a coastal carolina or something you know it's it's like a random school it, it, people where you shouldn't even be on that same level. yeah we talk about that all the time like if we see a recruit and it's like he's up against texas southern and utep and ud we're like wait what like right. why we don't want that you know and it's it's just kind of that's that's what college basketball is but brian like to to kind of put the the same light on this is like you guys are as ardent fans as anybody in the conference. And, and you know, I've said as much to, to my um, my listeners many times. And I always have, a, you know, I'm not a soft spot, but you know, I feel for you guys because you put so much time and effort into the program and the trajectory of the program and, um, you know, getting interest with the, the fan base and, you know, galvanizing momentum for people to go to games. Like, I really respect a lot of that because, Frankly, I don't have to do any of that. You know, all that was in place for me to have my show, and that's why it's successful. But my question to you is, you guys know the program as well as anybody. What does success for Mason look like? Like, how does the program turn around? And I asked the LaSalle guys this same question, and we kind of came to the conclusion that their best place was not in the A-10. I genuinely do not feel that way about George Mason. So I was interested to get your perspective on, what does a successful George Mason basketball program have to do and what does it look like in the future? So I think, first of all, it's it's important to understand that we have a lot of people within the administration that, you know, have worked there for 20 years, you know, that have they, they've, they've worked there so long that they're not going to get fired. Chris yeah. and I often talk about how we need to ax everyone. And we like Brad Edwards, our AD. We actually have a a relationship with him ourselves. We believe in his funding approach and we like his notoriety being an ex skin and knowing the area locally and being able to kind of, you guys are a public school. You get that information by the way. Right. So, (laughs) uh, so like we, 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 it's, it's kind of cool that, you know, we have him, we like him, but he unfortunately took on a lot of people in roles that had been there for a long time. And so kind of mediocre, you know, we're just like being just in purgatory basically is like comfortable to us. So in order to break out of that, I feel like you need to just kind of blow it all up. And maybe that does include the AD because, but you look at some of the improvements they've made to the facility. We have a practice facility. I personally like Eagle Bank Arena. I think it pops. Um, you know, they talk about a new arena making it a little bit smaller because we're struggling to sell out. Um, but as a program as a whole, you know, I, I think it still comes down to funding and and what we're willing to to spend on basketball and sports. I mean, we're in the lower tier. Um, so to break out of that, I think you know it it, it takes money, and I we have the cash. It's just whether we are um, willing to to spend it. And unfortunately, something like COVID, where we can't have fans and, and we kind of lose out, like the program needs that cash. Like, you know, we, Mason has exploded after that 06 run, but really mm-hmm. in their like science and tech buildings and like other areas where they've really improved campus, they took some of that ba- the basketball revenue and built up the campus to make it, you know, uh, a more like on campus living friendly atmosphere. Um, you know, we're, we're still a pretty new school. We're young in the the realm of, of school. So, you know, I think it's just about, you know, we got a new we got a new president. Um, I don't know if he's like much of a sports guy, unfortunately, but we got to hope that he sees the importance of our basketball program, what it's brought to the school beforehand and, and what it's going to do going forward. To touch on something that Chris said about accountability, Dave Paulson, unfortunately, is, in my opinion, and I'll give you a few examples, always kind of throws his players under the bus. And here is one way that we can kind of show that Dave Paulson is just kind of out to lunch, especially in any media-related activity. 
to this year in the A10, uh, you know, the whatever that's called, the the eight, the preseason A10 uh, media day. He said, uh, "This this new freshman we have, Henry, will make us forget about AJ Wilson." And AJ Wilson currently was entering his senior year, already has kind of mood swings, but clearly the most athletic player we've seen in ten years at Mason, besides Marquise Moore. And he literally said, "A freshman is going to make you forget about a senior." And who, who does that? Like not just a senior, but maybe your best senior. So it's like, he just constantly doesn't know how to handle hype and handle like media relations. And it just ends up just killing the vibe year in and year out. And nobody, but by George at this point has been willing to call him on, you know, some of his issues with accountability and things like that. And he'll, you know, just kind of shoo us off and whatever, give us some BS answer, but he has to know. You know, yes, we're asking the questions. And so that part really does kill me because I feel like if you can't take accountability and you're always putting it on some freshman's three point percentage that game, then, you know, I think that has a ripple effect and it doesn't allow us to ever really truly buy into what he's saying and what the players are saying. And that's why we think we just got to hit the refresh button. And if that includes the AD, then so be it. Um, And and bring in kind of a a younger guy uh, with ties to Mason um, and the area that just kind of understands what this base can be like. Larinaga had us fired up. We would chant Larinaga as he walked out from the locker room every single game. I can hear it every, like, you know, I can hear it every time I'm at a game. I'm like, I wish we were still cheering for Coach L because he was a guy that you could you could buy stock in. You know, he, yeah. he, he spoke publicly often. He was just, you know, he was like a politician. He was a guy that, you know, he just said the right stuff. And so to go from that to Hewitt, who didn't really handle public relations well, to then Paulson, who I would describe as really awful at it. Uh, it's just, I think, killed the base. So to to get back to that, I think it's about a complete restart. Yeah. And I was um, I, I was thinking the same thing. And I think me and you have, have talked about this a little bit here and there <clears throat> is that you can't start rebuilding until you break it all down. And um it takes a long time because Mason's problem right now is not that they're, um, you know, they're like a meddling program. It's that they're not even competitive in the conference and they haven't been since they got here, which should tell you like, hey, some huge changes need to be made because the way I look at it, guys, and I use this example a lot on my show, is, and you, you just said it yourself, Brian. George Mason is the poster child for what a final four run can do for a smaller school or like a lesser known school, right? You guys aren't necessarily a smaller school in undergrad numbers, but a a lesser known mid-major type of school, which is what you were in, in, you know, the CAA. And you guys have seen that. You've seen what that money can do. You've seen what that, that boost in March of everybody like, who the hell is this George Mason team? Where are they even located? You know, and then UD saw that VCU saw that in, in 2011 VCU built on that. And they have now turned into basically a perennial tournament team for all intents and purposes. And Dayton is, is just right there on the precipice of doing the exact same thing. But again, we had to go through like 10 years of Brian Gregory to get there. And before that Dayton had to go through 10 years of being a doormat before Oliver Purnell came in and turned around the the program from the muck in the 90s. So, Chris, I I was interested um, to kind of hear this from you that I've always said, and I, you know, to further double down on this example, that George Mason is the poster child for what the Final Four run can do, but also, and unfortunately, they are equally the poster child for how quickly that momentum can just wash away. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, George Mason got a home and home with UD back when I was in school in you know, 2010, 2011, because of that final four run. And now, do you guys feel like the fans that you generated from those runs in those years are completely gone and that you have to go out and get them by forming a new brand? No, they they are all still there. They're all just in hiding, and that's that's one thing that Mason has. It's winning all, cures all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we we, you know, when we made it to the Final Four that next year, I mean, it was a sellout every game, and um, 
yep. you were talking about sort of how we view success nowadays. Well, before in the Coach L era, it was always about making the actual tournament every other year or so. Uh, and we were pretty close to doing that, um, you know, at, on, on a regular basis. Um, but sort of what it's become now, it's like, you know, our new measure of success would be to honestly make it to Saturday of the A-10 tournament, not even the yeah. championship game, just maybe Saturday would be a huge, uh, you know, a feather in our cap. So the the way that we've kind of downplayed, like we we, we know what we are now. We're, we're not going to be making the tournament year in, year out, or even every three, four, five years now. So, um, you know, but we were there. And so I think it does, you know, go back to what Brian's saying, uh, you know, having the right hire and, you know, the way that we've been kind of, uh, you know, struggling through this mediocrity, it, it's as harmful to a program to have a mediocre coach than it is to just have a downright awful coach because he could string you along for years. I mean, Dave Paulson may get another year or two extension just because he's doing, you know, just good enough. And so you, you may have this guy for, you know, seven, eight years. Uh, whereas with, you know, a Paul Hewitt, he comes in, he's a dumpster fire. You get him in and out of the program in four seasons. Um, so, you know, there, there's some benefits to actually knowing what you got. And, and right now we don't really know what we have. Um, I think the diehard fans know that it's clearly not going to be, um, you know, Paulson in the future, but, you know, it's ultimately up to our, our AD. Um, but yeah, the, the fans, you know, they're growing restless um, and more and more, they're getting more vocal about, you know, we've got to move on, you know, we need someone new or else like I'm, you know, packing it all up. And, and we did actually have one of our most diehard fans at Mason, his entire basement decked out Mason, photographs jerseys oh, I, wanted, I wanted to tell this story we yeah and, and story, it's like yeah. he he got called out on twitter by someone within our communicate uh, community relations department within the athletic department and so like he's like taking his stuff down like there 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 has there's a point and we're now crossing it where you know some people are turned off from the program and it, it's kind of affecting us too like we're not as um uh, I don't know, inspired anymore to, to cover. We haven't even team. put out a podcast this season. Like yeah, we are like, I mean, we're at a point, we're that. at a, we, like we have like, sh- we have shows that run on our network, you know? So like, if you go to our by George GMU on Apple or any podcasting site, you know, you'll see content coming in. We, we actually have a show right now where we focus on uh, expatriates and where they are throughout the world. Um, we, we have Hey 10, uh, that's about to drop new A10 stuff. So, you know, we still have shows, but like Chris and I are so not inspired that, you know, like we are not even putting out new podcasts. We both have had babies, disclaimer, but you know, we're like, we just are not excited. And I want to get back to that story a little bit, Jones, because I don't know if you did it justice. The guy had the, the, the score clock, you know, what you see in the middle of arena in his room, he had a coffee table, which was the exact replica of the CAA uh, year when we went to the final four, the guy is like a collector. He mails by George stuff like, like Adidas gear and like shirts that he makes. Like he is as diehard as can be. And all he said in his tweet was, you know, like, I'm not even upset about this Norfolk state loss because like I've stopped caring, you know, like he didn't, yeah. he didn't, he didn't rip a player. He didn't rip a coach. He just said like, this is my feeling. And this account, you know, it's a, uh, like a public relations account. I believe the, 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 it's a woman that works for Dale green who we're not even sure what Dale green does. <laughs> She like she she like she goes out and she calls him a fair weather fan. She calls him a fan in quotation marks. And she's like, you just need to. She said things like, well, we still have a chance to make the A-10 tournament. I'm like, everyone makes the A-10 tournament. Like, at least this is what we're working with. People within the athletic department don't understand the basis of making the tournament are calling out diehard fans who have replicas of courts as coffee tables. That's where we're at as a program. And it's like that. I think that story is like the perfect, you know, it's just like the perfect metaphor of kind of what we've become. You have these like, you know, these moms and whatever, like calling us out for being too critical when all we're saying is like, we're upset. Yeah. 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 And you know, it, it Dayton, we kind of went through that a little bit in the, the Brian Gregory era. And that was a lot of the reason that the Blackburn review kind of came to be because um, Oliver Purnell resurrected the program for the flyers in the nineties. And then 
uh, in 2003, he took off to Clemson, better job. And Brian Gregory came in and that year after the, you know, the, the plan was already in place. All Gregory had to do was just make sure the steering wheel stayed upright, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then those years after, I mean, it was just recruiting mistake after recruiting mistake. And then it was like player development mistake. And then none of these guys got better. And then, you know, he and then like in 2009, they made the tournament the next year after that, they brought back a good team and he did nothing with it. And people in Dayton were kind of just like, oh, well, you know, it didn't make it this year. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. Like we need to get to the point where it's make the tournament every year or get out of here, you know. And and thankfully, um, you know, that that kind of came to fruition for Dayton and Archie Miller had such a good run getting us to the tournament every four years. But I think Archie was able to do exactly what you guys are, are hoping happens in the future is that he kind of put a brand in place and then said, Hey, we're, we're trying to make the tournament every year. And then he did it. And then people at Dayton were like, Oh, this is what's possible. And it, and once you get the fan base believing in what is actually possible, you stop having conversations like the one that you guys had. It's like, what are we talking about? Like if our goal is not to get to the tournament every year, like what the hell are we rooting for? And in your case, it's like, George Mason probably needs to get to a point where they're going to get to the tournament. What, you know, you load up every three or four years. I mean, that's, that's where you need to get that to make that first step. Um, but you, you said it, I mean, this conversation between like a, a diehard fan, someone in the university, it's the perfect metaphor for like how things just need to be stripped down to the studs and start over at Mason. And, you know, the conference will be better off for it, which is why I always kind of root for it to happen. But, um, you know, Talking to Chris and Brian right now from the By George Network. You can follow them at By George, um, and their uh, each of their handles is on that network as well. Um, I don't have them in front of me. You guys can plug that if you'd like. But guys, as I always do, we're like a half an hour into speaking today, and uh, I always do appreciate the time. But we've discussed the game at hand none, and and you know that's fine because it you know there's not that much uh, chutzpah behind it. You know there's not that much flair behind this game. We're recording this on a ten opening day, which is Wednesday. The game will take place on Saturday, like I said, at UD Arena. Game time is at 4.30 on uh, NBC Sports Network. Um, but, guys, let's let's start here. Uh, Chris, what are we going to see from George Mason Patriots on Saturday? <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, after the last 30 minutes, I need, like, a, a cigarette and a glass of whiskey. Like, <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I'm just, like, my blood is boiling. And, and, and Merry we, Christmas. Yeah, we can, we can do this for, like, honest to God, an hour. But yes, let's get to the game. Um, you know, what you're seeing with Mason thus far in our, you know, small sample size of games is that someone uh, new is sort of popping off every game. Like, we haven't really had a consistent, you know, MVP throughout the first six games. Like, we've had, you know, Miller was kind of a stud in the early games, and he was uh, suspended a few games for, for something that he did off the court. A.J. Miller or A.J. Um, AJ Wilson popped off in a game, but then he's also been an absolute dud in other games. Uh, Tyler Kolick, our um, freshman uh, sensation, he you know he can hit it three every once in a while. We've had a, a Doro who's you know popped off as a s- sophomore in a game or two, but you know we don't really know who our you know our leader is going to be on the court come Saturday. And and yeah. it's kind of a little bit of an issue coming from, right? Yeah. And, and it's just kind of like, um, you know, it, 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 I guess maybe it would throw, um, you know, a team, you know, prepping against us, uh, you know, may throw them for like a fit or two, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is we're just not making shots for some reason we've become this sort of three point launching team. And we, we just don't have that type of, uh, you know, shooter to, to consistently hit threes. So, you know, what you're going to get is just kind of some sloppy basketball, uh, a lot of missed threes, and ultimately, you know, we're going to lose by probably some something in the 12 to 15 point range. And that's just my yeah. prediction. It's, it's Can't tough. worse basketball than GW Fordham going on right now, guys. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, we always joke about Fordham, but you look at our record versus Fordham, under Paulson and it's not great. It's not like we're always no. winning those games. So, I mean, you, you know, it's hard to like, I had to tell Chris, like we need to slow up our Fordham jokes because they kind of got our number. Um, but I, I would say, you know, expect a lot of high ball screen, but you, we don't really have the, the point guard that can a, uh, hit a three off that ball screen or B drive. I do like Xavier Johnson. I, I, I don't know why he's not getting to the basket more. That seems to be his, 
you know, his ace in his pocket is that he kind of can, he has a little hesitation, can get to the bucket and distribute. Haven't really seen much of that. And that's something that you're going to need off the high ball screen offense. Um, and then, yeah, we just don't really hit threes. The one area that you're going to beat us and, and VCU and, and St. Louis and the better teams is that we constantly, um, we just, we always have unforced turnovers, you know, whether we step out of bounds or we just straight throw a ball away or we, we get our, our pocket, our pockets picked. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's an area where I think good teams are really going to excel, um, in, in transition basketball versus off our turnovers. I think we're going to see high point, high point totals off turnovers versus good teams, especially a team like Dayton who has your big, your athletic big, who has a guard who can kind of get after it on defense, um, and take the ball the other way. Uh, those type of teams are really going to give us trouble here. Um, and then defensively, we throw out a full court defense at times. We do have some length. Uh, unfortunately, like uh, uh, all of our length got suspended for two games early on. Um, so it's kind of hard to like really like, you know, like uh, this new freshman Henry who, uh, you know, who Paulson said we're going to forget about AJ over was suspended. So he would typically m- maybe play the top of our of our full court zones. Um, so we haven't really gotten a chance to see Jordan Miller, who arguably is our best player because he was suspended. And then some of our younger guys with Lank, another freshman six, five kid who plays uh, a small wing uh, was also suspended. So we don't really have, you know, due to COVID we missed like a month and then, you know, we, we added Norfolk state like in a day and then they beat us. So it's kind of hard to really, um, you know, say what our identity is, but you know, we do want to be a three point launching team off the high ball screen. And I just don't think we have the horses for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, I'm glad that you triggered trivia time because I did not come prepared with a trivia question. Um, so hit the music, Brian, I will not take uh, Fordham comparisons on this program that are incorrect. And I don't like to give my listeners fake news about how bad Fordham is compared to the rest of the league. So Uh, Your comments triggered my trivia question for the night. In the seven seasons that you guys have been in the A-10, how many games have you won in conference? And then my follow-up is, how many games has Fordham won in conference in those seven (laughs) seasons? Chris, I'm going to let you start, and I'll let Brian think about what he said a little bit longer, because I will not allow that on my show. Yeah, I I do remember some early uh, play-in game losses to Fordham at the A-10 tournament, so I've witnessed it live and in person. It's okay, though. It's okay. The comment was, was, we've been about as bad or we're getting there. We have to hold up on our Fordham jokes. Now, hold on, sirs. What my question was is, in A-10 play, Mm -hmm. how many wins do you guys have in the seven seasons and how many in Fordham? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say we have 60 Okay. Uh, A10 wins, and they probably have like 40. Okay. Yeah. Right. I was going to say somewhere like like 52 wins for Mason, something like 37 for Fordham. But I want you to know, I was speaking specifically about our battle with Fordham. Our <laughs> record our record with Fordham and since joining the A10, not our collective record. <laughs> I know, but I had to do this anyway, guys. This is my brand, all right? This is my brand. You're dumping <laughs> yeah. on Fordham is really yeah. my brand. Let's be honest. Yeah. All right, so uh, Brian was actually uh, pretty close. Chris, you were not that close. Um, <laughs> in the seven seasons in the A-10, George Mason has won a total of 48 games in conference. Fordham, you ready? Drum roll. Fordham has won 30 games in conference in okay. seven seasons. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Yeah, that- that is bad. And, and, and when you have a second, once you get off this podcast, just go ahead and look up Fordham versus Mason and you'll be like, wow, you know, it's like where they are, they, they are taking some L's to Mason and in the, and in play in games where, I mean, into Fordham and, and, yeah. you know, in at the tournament as well, it sucks, but you know, Sully, I, I want to thank you. Um, you know, you just lit a fire under Chris and I, we're going to get back into the booth ourselves after this podcast, um, because it's, we've missed it. Um, and, and a 10 play is here. It is. It's here. You know, that's what I like to be, Brian. I like to be a galvanizing force for all of our A10 podcasters, or at least um, restoke the fire to, to those that uh, may have lost that flame over the years. So I'm happy to provide it to you guys. Um, I'm, I know that you've heard the show once or twice, and so you know that every guest that comes on um, gets to give some final thoughts or whatever you want to say to the Dayton listeners. The slew guys usually come on and, and middle finger the Dayton listeners and 
Um, so everybody has their own thing that they like to do. But as we said, not a whole lot of animosity between our programs. So to take the listeners out, uh, final thoughts for the evening, Chris, um, what do you have for us? Yeah, I mean, my, my overall thought of the Dayton fan base, uh, when I see them in Brooklyn or, you know, Pittsburgh or wherever, they're the most wholesome, cutest, like, white people I've ever seen. <laughs> like, they just are, you know, and I always kind of, I, I think I tweet this usually before our games with them, but I, I'll say something, or I'll tweet, like, a picture of Milk and be like, this is their, like, happy hour <laughs> pregame, like, not <laughs> Uh, but, but no, like seeing, seeing the other part of, uh, you know, Dayton, uh, obviously what you you guys are doing, uh, it's, it's like clearly like a party school, like it, last year, what you guys saw in terms of, uh, you know, just winning and national recognition and, you know, the students buying in and just seeing sort of, uh, you know, the city of Dayton just absolutely popping off. It's something that, you know, we could only, uh, hope and wish for, you know, after, you know, we, we make the right hire, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely like a, a fantastic program. Um, and, uh, you know, you guys are close to becoming sort of that Gonzaga of the Midwest, you know, like if you keep pushing year after year, if you can always be like ranked, uh, you know, you guys are very close to that. So, uh, but yeah, yeah my parting shot is we're going to lose by 15. So that's <laughs> it's, it's tough because like, you know, we do look up to Dayton and we were so jealous of your run. Even, you know, we were, we actually were sharing an a- Airbnb with you, Sully, and you didn't even make it to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so COVID COVID has us hating or no, we, the, the basketball has us hating COVID so much because we were so hyped to create Dayton content in the tournament last year, you know, just from having that national recognition, which our tournament doesn't typically have. Um, and we've been now five straight years. So, you know, we were really, uh, just kind of dragged uh, over, over the COVID situation. We sat in that cancellation press conference, just kind of at a loss, you know, we were one of few media there at that point. Cause you know, we played in the play in game. And so we were there, we actually got a win and, and you know, we we're just kind of watching media trickle in and kind of everyone's talking about rumors and we're like, shit, should we even go? Like we already kind of felt weird going to New York, the, the Mecca. Um, so, you know, it was like, it just kind of like has really kind of shit all over our, like, you know, basketball mojo. Um, and yeah. so we really do feel bad for you, just kind of ha- the way that your season was canceled. We just want the Dayton Dayton fans to know that we're here for you. You know, there, there is an animosity. We don't hate you uh, like I hate a VCU or I hate a GW. Um, and we really do feel bad for the way that the tournament ended. And we were really excited to create content with you and not only you, but, you know, we get dope shots at the game. We take video um, we put out post game um, videos. Like we do a lot of content while uh, in well at the A10 tournament, and we're really upset that kind of the way um, it ended. And we it's taken us a while to kind of get back to that to that hype. And I think you know getting into A10 play is going to do it. So we look forward to uh, to seeing you guys on Saturday. But your bigs are just gonna. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oduro is going to be in foul trouble by you know six minutes into the game, and he's probably our best big defender so you know we're, we're 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 rooting for you guys to be relevant but you know definitely hoping for a mason win come saturday yeah no doubt about it guys and, it, and you wouldn't be fans if you were rooting for anything else um yeah I, i've told this story on my show many times about how I, I went to work that day all jazzed up to see you guys and we're texting our group chat where i'm like i'm gonna get on the plane this afternoon guys i'm all fired up and um and you know what obviously made this story even more ridiculous was that that Wednesday night was when they announced that no fans were going to be present. So that was like the key to everything. I was like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to be one of like 20 people creating content for the A-10 tournament that everyone in college basketball is going to see. Um, I had tickets to like the Big East semifinals on Saturday night after the A-10 was done. Um, And then uh, that night, you know, I ended up at my local watering hole having wings and beer. And uh, some guy came up to all of our table and did the exact same thing you guys just did. But the wound was still like so open and gaping and fresh that we were just like, we're kind of like, yeah, man, this is great. Like, we do not want to hear this right now. You know, it was like, you just let me enjoy this Bud Light pitcher by myself with my sorry ass friends right now. (laughs) It's tough. It was tough. You know, we, 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 we didn't even know how, like our wives are telling us to come home, you know, it was just like a shit show where that's typically like a time where like 
Chris and I and a couple other guys get away from our everyday lives. Strip clubs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so to get pulled <laughs> to get pulled away from that was was a bummer. But uh, you know, thanks for having us on your show, Sally. We really appreciate it. Yeah, guys, it's always great to catch up and talk hoops, and uh, we will surely surely be doing it down the road. And fingers crossed, you know, maybe we get to do it in Brooklyn this year. So uh, until next time, fellas, enjoy the game Saturday. Yeah, man, go Mason. <laughs> thanks, Sully. All right. Now everybody, have you heard? If you're in the game, well, then the stroke's the word. Don't take no rhythm. Don't take no style. Keep it up.